It's obvious. The unthinkable is going to happen soon. With all the distractions in the media, we probably won't see it coming. Your gut tells you there's something very wrong going on, and all the evidence suggests that there is. Those in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. American families are preparing. Folks are getting into self-reliance and investing in emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, is the place you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save 25%, plus get free shipping on all their three-month emergency food kits. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day. It's time to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Good evening and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and I've got news. Uh, everybody got paid this week. That's what we're going to theme the show around. A lot of stuff happened. Not just regarding contracts. I'll get into just Her- Justin Herbert in just a moment. Jalen Brown, who every- everybody and their mama flipped out over that one. How could you give Jalen Brown five years, 30, uh, $300 million? Well, A, the market, and B, well, something else I'll get to a little later in the show. Saquon Barkley ending his holdout pretty early uh, with the New York Giants. One year, $11 million. He'll obviously be a free agent next uh, next spring. We'll see what happens in terms of that with, with his future with the franchise. But he's a New York Giant this year. That's, that's the latest we've got. I'll get to that later in the show. Aaron Rodgers. We talk about guys getting paid. Well, Aaron Rodgers actually said, no, 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 wait, wait. I'm going to give you money, New York Jets. I'm going to give you $35 million, take a $35 million pay cut on his current deal with the Jets and stay there long term. I got more on that later on today's show. And also, uh, Shohei Otani is going to be a Los Angeles Angel. We know for a fact the Angels have said so the rest of the season. And while he is, I'll get to this later, having a typical Shohei Otani freakish game today, freakish two games, they're playing a doubleheader in Detroit. Uh, this is a horrendous, beyond horrendous move by the Los Angeles Angels. I'll get to that. And at the end of the show today, going to debut a brand new segment for Carving It Up Live. That's that's what I'll leave it at, but a brand new segment at the end of today's show on Carving Up Live. Looking forward to you seeing that. Uh, before we get into our regularly scheduled show, again, a ton of stuff happened this week in the world of sports. Uh, the first thing that, that or I, should, I shouldn't say the first thing, uh, one of the first things that happened, very unfortunate news, very scary news, is that Bronny James, the son of LeBron James, uh, suffered cardiac arrest, I believe it was Monday morning, uh, at USC while in the middle of a workout. Uh, he was taken to the hospital. He was in the ICU for a little bit because the initial statements that came out that Shams put out on Twitter uh, said that Bronny had been in the ICU. Um, he's out of it now. And by the way, Shams just reported today that Bronny has been discharged. So great news there. Obviously, very, very scary. Somebody as as, as healthy as as Bronny James getting cardiac arrest is just it's it's shocking. It's scary. Uh, I can only imagine the, you know, what 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 LeBron and what Savannah and what Bryce and Zuri, the kids, uh were, were thinking about and going through in that moment and through the, the you know throughout this week. So 
prayers to Bronny, uh, pray, prayers for Bronny, rather. Hope he continues to get better. And uh, listen, I, I won't speculate on this basketball future. That doesn't matter right now. What matters is him getting back to full health, getting back to a, a normal uh, life for an 18, 19-year-old kid. So, you know, God bless Bronny, praying for him, and uh, hope he continues to get better. And also, second thing before we get to the Justin Herbert news, somebody who, I guess the biggest topic of discussion around him, this athlete about to bring up, is when's he going to get this huge deal? Is he going to take a pay cut? And that's that's secondary talk right now, given what happened today to Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati Bengals. We have tape. They put this out there. Uh, he injured his calf today in practice. Training camp just began. He injured his calf at Bengals training camp. Here's the video. So you're going to see him dropping back here. This happened just a couple hours ago, folks. Uh, and then you see him just out of nowhere, non-contact, hopping on his left leg. He looked like he already had a compression sleeve around his right calf. So there might have been something there to begin with. Again, we'll show the clip again. You see the medical personnel attending to him. You see one of his teammates going over uh, to check on Joe Burrow. And again, this this came in a couple hours ago. It's like, oh, shoot, like is, is the Bengals season over before it even gets a chance to start? Obviously, we know that they are one of the favorites to win the AFC, if not the entire uh, to, to, to win the Super Bowl. Then Kansas City, San Francisco, Philadelphia, uh, a number of other teams. You see Joe Burrow there getting medical attention. So two good news. One just observational on my part and the other just came in. About a half hour ago uh, from Jamar Chase, obviously Joe Burrow's number one uh, go-to receiver, one of the best in the league, and obviously Burrow's college teammate at LSU. Uh, my When I saw that video, the first thing I noticed was like, oh, crap, that's non-contact. That's not good. Like anytime it's non-contact, you really hold your breath and you worry. And the first thing, maybe it's because I have like PTSD from as a Warriors fan from the Kevin Durant situation in 2019. Remember where he injured his calf? I say that in air quotes uh, against the Houston Rockets in game five of the second round. And obviously we saw Katie reached a heck of a lot lower than his calf. And the worst case scenario happened. He came back for game five of the finals against the Raptors. Looked great for the first quarter. Came in two minutes later into the second ruptured his Achilles, and did not play basketball for a year and a half. So what they always tell you about guys who or, or, or women who tear their Achilles, rupture Achilles, their Achilles, whatever the case may be, is that when, when it goes, you know instantly because it almost always feels like somebody kicked you. And the good news, again, we'll play this one more time of Joe Burrow. You'll see him, uh, you know, pump fake, he'll roll out. He never looks behind him. He's, he never like looks looks behind him to see what's 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 going on, what's wrong. That's a good sign. And the second thing, more importantly, forget my observation. Jamar Chase, again, his teammate, his college uh, in college and with the Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase said uh, to reporters that uh, that Joe Burrow gave him the quote unquote look, or uh, I think he said he gave him a nod to basically show like, hey, everything's all right. So. That's again, it, it usually you can tell, especially if it's a serious injury by the reaction of others around. Again, we don't have a ton of tape from Bengals training camp for when this injury happened, but it doesn't seem like people were, you know, dropping their shoulders like, oh my God, our season's over, our quarterback's down. It doesn't seem like it's that type of vibe around the Bengals right now, which hope, hopefully that is, you know, the, the, the best case scenario does come to fruition. And we certainly wish Joe Burrow the very best and in, uh, in whatever the diagnosis is, which we'll probably find out pretty soon. All Zach Taylor said is it is, it is a calf injury. And so we just have to wait and see, but uh, for Cincinnati, just a, if you're a Bengals fan, you're 
like holding your breath big time. You're like, this is a, <laughs> this is a this is a year again opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl, and that kind of just flashed before your eyes right there. So certainly we wish the best for Joe Burrow. And we'll see if he's ready to go uh, pretty soon. Again, I just got the, another update that Bronny James has been discharged. Uh, so, you know, great news there. So now we transition to our regularly scheduled programming. Again, this has been, I know training camp just started, but this has been as an event, as eventful a last week, last full week of July that I can remember, remember in terms of sports news across NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. Heck, college football. I got Jim Harbaugh suspended. We just got the news literally just a second ago that Colorado is going to uh, leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12, uh, where they obviously used to play. So, you know, so Prime hasn't even coached a game yet, and he's already making an impact. So there you go. Justin Herbert got paid, got paid big time uh, by the uh, by the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, got paid a grand total of five years, $262 million which now makes him the highest paid quarterback in the league and therefore the highest paid player in NFL history. Now, folks talk about how he's one of the elite quarterbacks of the game. Listen, I, I just have to pat myself on the back a little bit, you know, because in 2020, before Carving It Up was on YouTube, before it was Carving It Up Live, it was just an audio show at the time, right in the middle of COVID, when basically all we had to talk about at the time was the draft and the last dance. That was all we had during COVID. I'm still not quite sure how we did three months, four months, basically, of shows until the NBA bubble and Major League Baseball came back in July of that year. That aside, there were three quarterbacks that everybody's talking about. Joe Burrow, who was the presumed number one overall pick, who, and I, you know, stupidly was not that high on. Tua, who I really liked, but there was concerns with him from an injury standpoint. And Justin Herbert, who, for some odd reason, wasn't as highly touted as a Tua or as a Burrow I'm sitting back and look at this guy. I'm like, okay, he's mobile. He's accurate. He's got a massive arm. He's got good leadership qualities. He's smart. He's got all the physical capabilities. He's 6'6". Like, what is not to like? And he steps in year one with the Chargers. Obviously, we remember the Tyrod Taylor uh, when he had the punctured lung by the team doctor in week two. They throw Justin Herbert out there. They let him know uh, 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 an hour before his first ever NFL starts, hey, you're starting today against the defending champion Chiefs. And he plays great, and he hasn't really looked back since. If you look at Justin Herbert's first three years of his career, from a historical standpoint, it has been remarkable. Again, here's the graphic for the podcast audience. I'll read it off. Over 14,000 passing yards. That's the first all-time for a quarterback in his first three seasons. Again, that's this is all-time rankings for quarterback in his first three years. 94 passing touchdowns, second all-time in the first three years. 102 total touchdowns. That's First all-time, most all-time in NFL history for a quarterback in his first three years. And 22 300-plus yard passing games. That is first all-time, you guessed it, for a quarterback in his first three years. Safe to say the production has been there and then some for Justin Herbert. He's had a start to his career similar to that of Andrew Luck. Like, that's really the only parallel that we really have to this uh, kind of start by a young player, which Justin Herbert obviously is. I think what bothers me the most about the – because anytime a quarterback gets signed to a long-term deal, it's always, he okay, he's got to win the Super Bowl. Well, what's around him? You say, well, Justin Herbert's got one of the best, uh, best supporting cast in the NFL. He's got some of the best – if not, maybe the best receiving core in the NFL. It's up there with Cincinnati. There's no question about it. 
Austin Eckler, there's a little bit of a contract dispute going on. They're not real sure how that's going to be resolved or if it's going to be resolved. But he's one of the best two-way backs in the NFL up there with Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara and company. He's got a tremendous offensive line with his left tackle, Rashawn Slater, coming back from injury this season. And defensively, you got Khalil Mack. You got Joey Bosa, who was just ranked in the, in the top uh, 70 uh, players in the NFL. You got Derwin James, who's one of the best safeties. Great defense, right? Heck, it looks like they've even got the special teams potentially figured out. Problem is, uh, Justin Herbert has a below-average head coach in Brandon Staley. This is a guy who, throughout his history as the Chargers head coach, which has only been two years, but year one, 2021, I kind of like the Staley hiring. I'm like, I'm like, sure, he's a defensive coach. Maybe he can't connect to Justin Herbert the way like a Sean Payton could or an Andy Reid could. He's a, he's a he's, you know, good young head coach. Let's see what he's got. And the Chargers put themselves in position in week 18 to make the playoffs. Herbert has a better second year than rookie years. You would hope for a, a young quarterback to improve off of uh, your first year in the NFL. Get to that game at the Las Vegas Raiders on the road. Certainly they have the better roster. And with all due respect to Derek Carr, love Carr. They've got the better quarterback, you would hope. Go to overtime. And if you remember, the winner of that game, the winner of that game between the Chargers and Raiders got to the playoffs. But if they had tied, if the game ended in a tie, both teams would have gotten in. We got to within under a minute. Nobody could really break the ice. Remember, Herbert in that fourth quarter had some massive fourth down conversions. He threw a touchdown to tie the game on the last play of regulation. It was an unbelievable football game. Under a minute to go, the Raiders are going to run the clock out. They are content. Hey, if, if we tie, we're going to the playoffs. Who cares? We're going in either way. Or we're getting in either way, rather. And here comes Brandon Staley. He calls timeout. And the Raiders are like, What? Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr were like, okay, let's go and try and win it here. If they're going to give us free time, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a win-win situation. If we get in field goal range and he misses, okay, who cares? We're still going to the playoffs. If he makes it, we knock our rival out of the playoffs. And as we all know, they got in the field goal range and the Chargers season came to an end short of a playoff appearance. And then last year they got to the playoffs and they led 27 to nothing over the Jacksonville Jaguars in part aided by Trevor Lawrence throwing four picks in the second half. The Jaguars scored every time they touched the football. Considering the fact, too, part of what helped Jacksonville come back is the Chargers, you know, Brandon Staley and the offensive, for former offensive coordinator, you're, you're sitting back, you're thinking, you know, you can kind of play, you can kind of play the clock more than you're playing the Jaguars, and they pretty much abandoned the running game entirely. So they blow a 27-0 lead. They retain Staley even better. They fire their offensive coordinator and replace him with Kellen Moore. You could say, hey, Kellen Moore's had some of the best offenses in the NFL in Dallas. Well, I mean, he does have Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and great offensive line and Tony Pollard and a great defense to back him up and get turnovers. You would think that Dak would continue to get better and better under that offensive coordinator, and he kind of hit, hit his ceiling in year seven. Now, Herbert's more talented than Dak. There's no question about that. He has a much better arm. He's a much bigger athlete. He's proven to be more durable than Dak Prescott. But in a, a division where you got the best offensive coach in the NFL, Andy Reid, a top five offensive coach in Sean Payton now in Denver, Raiders were a mess. Put them aside. Are we looking at a third place finish for the Los Angeles Chargers this season? 
limitations at offensive coordinator given. And you'll see, Chargers fans, you'll see this or what Chargers fans there are out there. I don't think I've ever seen a a coach that is an offensive coordinator that is more married to curl routes than Kellen Moore is. Never seen anything like it. You'll you'll learn that Justin Herbert. You'll learn that Chargers fans. So yes, they'll be talented. Yes, they will be among one of the more exciting teams in the NFL. You, you, you're going to have to turn on Chargers game because something wild is going to happen. That's what we do know. Justin Herbert's going to make some ridiculous throws, put them in position to win. But be it a coaching decision, be it an inability to get a stop late defensively, be it the uh, some some play calling issues with not running the ball when you're up big, whatever the case may be, the Chargers will find a way to screw it up. I've called them Cowboys West for years. Like that's the Cowboys always find a way to lose the biggest games. Same with the Chargers; they invent new ways to lose big games. So props to Justin Herbert. I don't think we've given him quite enough credit for what he's had to carry in Los Angeles. Yes, the receivers are great, but his rookie year, when he had, you know, it's, it sucks for Herbert. Rookie year, I thought the coach was fine. I thought the head coach was fine. I did, I did not think they should have moved on from Anthony Lynn. I think he did a good job in LA. The offensive line was horrendous. They upgrade the offensive line. Now it's average to above average, but they move on from Anthony Lynn for, for Brandon Staley. I don't know. I just have major questions regarding the Chargers. Uh, forget in, champ- in terms of championship contention, uh, the question is whether or not can they, can they make the playoffs. I think it's a fair question to ask. Again, when, when you talk about – we talk, and I'm about to get to Jalen Brown in just a second, about these quarterbacks, about whether or not uh, we, we should pay them or not or these organizations should pay them or not. Don't forget, it's always it's, – it's the old – it's the old analogy I, I, I use and think about when it comes to your value is that, you know, what's the organization without you? And the fact of the matter is the Chargers were a 5-11 and football team with an old Phillip Rivers before Justin Herbert got there with that same roster, with the coach that got them to the playoffs in 2018, almost got him in in 2017. Again, I, I talked about, you know, I, I talked about on Monday in in regards to running backs and should running backs get paid and are they being is there collusion against running backs going to talk about saquon barkley later in the show there has to be some level of objectivity in terms of the importance of running backs in 2023 and the importance of quarterbacks in 2023 and it's night and day 30 years ago no 90s you had to have a great running back ask the dallas cowboys with emmett smith ask the buffalo bills with with thurman thomas ask the denver broncos with with uh, T- T- Terrell Davis, you had to have an elite running back to get into championship contention, regardless of quarterback play. And those 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 teams they had Jim Kelly Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman Hall of Famer, John Elway top five quarterback ever. But the, those running games pushed them over the top. But due to rule changes, due to some of the new offenses that have come into the NFL, due to just the sheer talent of guys like a Justin Herbert who have come into the league over the past half decade, the games changed, philosophies have changed, and so. Yeah, then listen, I, I, I tweeted immediately uh, when, when when this news broke, or put it on Instagram stories at least, when this news broke, worth every penny. Chargers will get the absolute best out of Herbert. The question is, will the Chargers get the best out of the Chargers? My buddy Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk here on the grid, always says the Chargers are going to be the Chargers. Somehow, some way, 
you know, you, you, you hear Stephen A. talk about the Cowboys a lot. You could almost apply that exact same logic to the Chargers. What can go wrong will probably go wrong. Rooting for Justin Herbert, but even the best quarterbacks, even the most talented quarterbacks, which he is, there's only so much they can carry on their back, especially in that conference. So today I do not see the Chargers as a playoff team. All right. Again, today's show, again, we're theming it the everybody got paid show. Saquon Barkley got a deal. Uh, Jalen Brown got a massive deal. Justin Herbert got a big deal. Aaron Rodgers took a pay cut, but we're going to talk about his contract and his fit with the New York Jets in a couple of segments. Like that's that's kind of the theme for for carving up life. Everybody got paid show. So, uh Okay, we just got news on Jalen Ramsey. This is coming in just now from Adam Schefter and from Jalen Ramsey himself, uh, cornerback of the Miami Dolphins, obviously was traded this offseason, that Dolphins six-time Pro Bowler Jalen Ramsey will undergo knee surgery and is expected to miss the start of the regular season with the injury that he suffered during today's practice per league sources. Ramsey's ACL is intact, though, which is a positive. Okay, so he is... So we know for a fact he's gone for the start of the regular season. Jalen Ramsey actually just tweeted, quote, I'll be back on that field stronger than ever in due time. This is so my, uh, minor for God's child. I trust fully and know that he got me. I'm forever grateful to worship his name. I know my brother's going to hold it down until I'm back, though. Appreciate the love and support. Time to get right. So Jalen uh, Ramsey is out for all they're saying is the start of the regular season, but the good news is, his his ACL is intact. This is not season ending. He obviously got hurt uh, earlier today uh, during practice. So we've had a lot of guys being carted off the field. I saw, I think it was Donovan Wilson for the Dallas Cowboys was carted off. It doesn't look like he's going to miss any time. Uh, there was somebody else I'm forgetting. Uh, oh, yeah, for uh, Detroit, who's going to be in the NFC Championship game. I've told you that numerous times. Detroit is going to be in the NFC title game. It was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson who was carted off during practice. So we've, we've had a lot of, of injuries early in training camp, which just sucks. I mean, the preseason hasn't even started yet. So wishing the best for these guys have gotten hurt, and hopefully there's no more no more injuries beyond this, and certainly injuries that are severe enough for guys to be to be carted off the field. So thus far, of all these instances, again, we're waiting on the news with Joe Burrow. Could happen during today's show. Probably will happen by the time tomorrow's show starts. But we're absolutely wishing the best with him. It what we have thus far, it doesn't sound season-ending, which is great, but the severity and the diagnosis is uh, is TBD, so we'll see. But like I said, today's show, we got NFL news, we got NBA news, which we're about to get into in just a second. We got Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani, who, aside from the obvious and the fact that the Angels aren't going to trade him, is having a a just a, a stupid day. <laughs> you know, that's Shohei Otani day. You know, they say showtime for a reason. First game of today's doubleheader in Detroit. Goes nine innings and throws a one-hitter, 111 pitches. And the second game of the doubleheader <laughs> hits two home runs. Like, that's – if I had to describe Shohei Otani to somebody, it'd be today. Today is a perfect example of how great is he? Well, look at July 27th, 2023, and then go, come back to me and tell me how good Shohei Otani is. He's, he's in – I've called him an alien numerous times. I've ne- We've never, ever seen anything like him, ever. Uh, and then I'll get into, obviously, Saquon later in the show. And then a brand new segment uh, that I'm going to introduce to Carving It Up Live at the end of the show. Jalen Brown got paid, though. He got he got paid. <laughs> Five years, $303 million, 
for Jalen Brown, uh, who has proven himself to be one of the better uh, number two stars in the NFL, uh, second co- uh, you know co-stars to superstars, which I think Jason Tatum has proven himself to be. Uh, five years, three hundred three million. And when the news broke the other day, it was how could you pay Jalen? How could you make Jalen Brown the first three hundred million dollar man in the NBA and thus the highest paid player in NBA history? We do this. We do it more often in the NFL with quarterbacks, but we're doing and we did the same thing seven years ago with Mike Conley. Remember when Mike Conley got that deal, paying him $150 million. Be like, oh my God, how could you pay? And the market kind of evened itself out. And Mike Conley, while Memphis and then eventually Utah was paying him more than they probably wanted to, it wasn't a or not Utah, it was just Memphis. Uh Memphis was paying more than they wanted to. It was it, it wasn't a, a devastating franchise uh handicapping type of deal, right? Jalen Brown gets $300 million. First of all, again, the market dictates that. And the the whole, I'll just let him play this year and then let's let him walk. Rebuild around Tatum. Really? Right, Jason Tatum, the guy who is age 25, I believe, 25, 26 years old, top seven player in the NBA, 30-point-per-game guy. Just Yeah, just waste a year. I mean, Tatum's not in his prime yet, but waste just waste a year of championship contention with the Boston Celtics. That's a great idea. And while I do believe Boston's offseason decisions have been curious at best, they trade for Porzingis, which I'm like, okay, that's a score. It's a good wing player, but still not a point guard. Does he fit the locker room? Is he? Uh, does he stay healthy? You trade Marcus Smart, who's a great defensive player, but is more of an off guard. You, you put him in, in in Memphis, and you don't really – I didn't really get that, that, that deal at all. Then you – you do a sign-and-trade with Grant Williams and get second-round picks in return. Boston's had an on-off season. The only thing I, I, I've agreed with the Celtics doing was bringing in Sam Cassell to be the assistant uh, head coach to uh, to Joe Mazzulla, who I've had numerous concerns about as a head coach. And, it's again, it's not – we'll have a Joe Mazzulla conversation the other day when or another day when whenever – Whenever the season starts and folks start calling for the man's job for Sam Cassell to be to be the head guy. Point being, this is about Jalen Brown. I think we often don't give the proper context to, to not just when guys get paid, but the amount of success that certain teams have. Sometimes we base our uh, our, you know, we don't always base our expectations off of reality or what has been uh, reality to this point. Since Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown became a duo, which was Tatum's rookie year, 2017-2018, since the 2018 playoffs, we're looking at the Eastern Conference. I want you to take a quick little look here at the success that certain teams have had in that span. So of these teams, Celtics, Sixers, Bucks, Raptors, Heat, Hawks, Cavs, the Celtics have been to more conference finals than any of them. Only Miami has rivaled them in that department with three conference finals appearances. Again, this is in the Tatum-Brown era. That's four conference finals appearances. Miami is second with three. NBA finals appearances. Now, Miami surpasses Boston in that regard. They've been to two, but uh, only Milwaukee has been to another one. And Toronto and Cleveland, that was LeBron year. That almost shouldn't even count because LeBron, that, that, that team had no business being the finals. LeBron was just having the greatest stretch of basketball of his career. Now we get to NBA titles. Boston doesn't have any, but only Milwaukee and Toronto do. And, of course, we all know Kawhi left Toronto to go to the Clippers to go to the opposite conference after that year. Simply put, the Celtics with Tatum and Brown have been one of the most successful teams in the conference. 
it's kind of the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It ain't broken Boston between those two. Now, does Boston need a point guard? <laughs> you better believe it. Could they use some more natural defenders? Yeah, some more uh, wing presence, uh, again, on the defensive side of the floor? Sure. But being that folks talk about the issue of being Tatum and Brown, again, I looked at, I've got on my phone, the top 30 players, in my mind, in the NBA. So I've got Jokic, Steph, Giannis as the top three. Top 30 players. I've got Carl Anthony Towns at 30. I looked at this list and, and, and was specifically focusing on number two options on their team. Okay? The only guys I have above Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving. Now, second thought, I'm probably considering switching uh, Kyrie and uh, and Jalen Brown, but Kyrie is is a wizard with the basketball in his hands, so I'm not gonna uh, have numerous issues with Kyrie's leadership abilities and and the organizations would sign him often go into the into the deep end uh, with Kyrie as opposed to succeeding. But Kyrie's a special talent, so I put him just one spot above Jalen Brown on on my list. I think Jalen Brown's the 19th best player in the NBA. As these next five years go on. Again, this contract, Jalen Brown's going to be 27, 27 when the season starts, right around the time the season starts this October. By the time this contract runs out, he'll be in his early 30s. So like right in the middle of his prime, and then we'll see, does down the road, does Boston keep him long-term? Will they have traded him in the middle of his contract? I don't know. But at this point, I've heard folks say, hey, why, why don't you just trade, trade Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard? Uh, why? Because Jalen Brown's not the only guy you're going to have to give up. You're probably going to have to give up an Al Horford, great backup center to Robert Williams. Maybe you would have to give up uh, Robert Williams. Maybe a Malcolm Brogdon, who's a good backup point guard off the bench. Maybe a Derek White. Any of these pieces you could you would have had to give up for a guy the caliber of Damian Lillard, who would only be in his prime for the next two to three years and then be done, essentially. And now you've lost all your assets. You probably again. We'll see what the we'll see what the success would have been between Tatum and uh, and Lillard. But are you guaranteed to win a title with those two? Folks, got to remember in that NBA Finals against Golden State, Jalen Brown was the guy. When Boston was up two games to one, it was Jalen Brown, not Jason Tatum, who was the Vegas favorite to get Finals MVP. This guy plays his biggest. And the biggest stage now, to me, the 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 biggest issue with Brown from a uh, from a skill standpoint, the guy has got to work on his handles. I've never seen a guy with with, with freaking like uh, like dub soap on his hands when he dribbles the basketball. It's unbelievable. He's got to improve that as a primary ball handler. But he's not a, he's not really a lead guard, so that's not that's not his game. But he needs to improve in that regard. Tatum and Brown have been one of the most successful duos in the NBA for a very long time. And aside from Milwaukee and Toronto, since those two became a duo, nobody else in, that, in the Eastern Conference has won a title. And we know Toronto is in rebuild mode. Kawhi's long gone. In Milwaukee, we'll see what happens. You know, got new coach. Giannis coming back better than ever. Milwaukee's going to be around for a while. But Philadelphia, Boston owns Philadelphia. So you don't have to worry about them. You think about a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're good. Got to the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell had an excellent year, but they're not challenging Boston for the for the Eastern Conference. 
sometimes again, I, maybe it's just it's it's Celtics pride. Maybe it's the whole like it, it, narratives are very strong. Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com. Because I remember going into that game seven when Boston came back from a 3-0 deficit. I said, look, I don't know if Boston's going to win this game or not. I picked Miami to win that game. I don't know. I said, I didn't know if Boston was going to win or not. I, I knew one thing for sure. The home crowd or the home home court advantage would have nothing to do with it. Boston's not a good home team, but because the crowd is loud, because of the history in Boston with the Russells and the Larry Birds and the and the Paul Pierce's of the world, and that being such a great home court advantage, we we just uh, put that into, into the present time. That hasn't necessarily been the case. So... For Jason Tate and for Jalen Brown, uh, this is great. This is great news. Now they get to continue to build around those two. Again, they have been to an NBA Finals, which is a lot better than most duos in the NBA can say. I mean, since uh, current duos that are still together that have had more success than Tatum and Brown, off the top of my head, uh, Steph and Clay. You got to include Draymond that, so it's more of a trio. Steph and Clay and Draymond, LeBron and AD. Giannis and Middleton, or although I think it's been more Giannis Holiday in recent years, and then Jokic and Murray. That's it. Duos that are duos, or in the case of Golden State, trios that are still together, that's it. That have had more success, that are still together at least, that have had more success than Tatum and Brown. Boston's issue isn't those two. <laughs> folks, folks forget that. They don't have a point guard, and I have major, major questions at head coach. They address those. Okay, Boston's probably the best team in the Eastern Conference. Pending the Damian Lillard trade to Miami, because we all know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of, of not if, but when. We'll see. But I, I listen, is it ideal to get the 19th best player in the NBA, $300 million? In the last year of his contract, making $69 million? Not really. But I saw today that Jokic, pretty soon, in a few years, is going to be eligible for a $400 million contract. And guess what? Now Jokic is on a different level than Brown. It'll be worth every penny. Contracts, salary cap, league revenue, it's only going up, man. You got to pay your stars. If you let Jalen Brown walk, then what? It's not like Boston is an, uh, is an attractive free agent destination for numerous reasons. It's a cold city. It's a, it's a city that has a questionable history, let's be honest, with race. It's not as attractive as L.A. or as Golden State or as Atlanta or as Miami or as Dallas or as Phoenix these days. Do you get a star in Boston? You better keep him because you're not, you're not going to duplicate him. Okay. We just got news on Joe Burrow. Just got news on Joe Burrow, and this is the best case scenario. This is from Diana Rossini. Quote, Bengals sources have confirmed what head coach Zach Taylor shared after practice. Quarterback Joe Burrow has a strained calf. 
this is the absolute best case scenario. Like the first thing, when I saw that video, I put it on social media. It was, oh crap, it's a non-contact injury. Like that is a the biggest red flag you can think of uh, for, you know, for a guy who injures a, you know, who has a lower body injury. So looks like Joe's going to be fine. We'll see how long he's out. But again, it's it's late July now. You would think he's, he's going to be ready for the start of the regular season. I think they go to Cleveland in week one. He should be ready to go. So listen, I may, I may be a new Steelers fan, but you never want to see some of the best players in the league go down. Never. So very, very, very exciting news and good news regarding Joe Burrow and his health. So he's going to be ready to go uh, for the long run. So, but again, like folks, folks got to realize again, the market changes, revenue goes up in the NBA, salary caps change. You got to keep your stars. You got to. What would have been their other option? Trade for Dame. He's great for two years. Then what? Got a much better chance winning long-term, winning numerous championships, which I thought was the Boston Celtics way with Tatum and Brown. It's going to be fun. This NBA season going to be a doozy. I'm, I'm very, very excited. Not as excited as I am for the NFL season coming up, but this NBA season going to be a doozy, especially this in-season tournament. I'm starting, it's starting to grow on me a little bit. Okay, back to the NFL. We talked about two guys, one NFL player, in Justin Herbert and one NBA player in Jalen Brown got the absolutely got the back. Not what not what Mbappe would have gotten France. He turned down that deal over seven hundred million dollars. But be that as it may, it's it's a lot of lettuce. But there's a guy in New York, plays for the Jets, gave up a lot of that lettuce. So Aaron Rodgers, new quarterback, obviously the New York Jets, was slated. Uh, he, he still had, uh, two years, $110 million, uh, on his contract left. And he decided to give up $35 million of the, of that. So he's going to make it these next two years. He's going to make $75 million. This again, my, my evolution on my belief about what the New York Jets are going to do this season is night and day from when the trade was unofficially made in March, officially made in April, and to now. And I, I talked about this on Monday's show. It's I'm seeing nothing, and it's it's shocking to me, given what I am so used to, and I'm sure you are so, so used to with Aaron Rodgers, is this positive, happy-go-lucky, great with the media, you know, going out in the city with 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 teammates and going to Taylor Swift concerts and going to the Tony Awards and working out with guys, showing up for off-season training activities, being present and being locked in to training camp. Even with the defensive guys, he saw Sauce Gardner gave him the big number eight chain. He seems to have really endeared himself to that locker room, which is very not Aaron Rodgers, at least from what we know him to be in Green Bay. And so now we see yet another step in what you would think as a Jets fan is the right direction uh, in terms of his commitment to the franchise in taking a 30. Uh, listen, Aaron may be rich. $35 million is $35 million. That's a lot of money. He said, no, here you go. We know the Jets are meeting with Dalvin Cook. I would not be against them maybe going out and trading for an offensive lineman. Atlanta's got a lot of those. A lot of good ones in Atlanta. Uh but the bottom line is that Aaron is committed to winning. He's saying, you know what? I made my money. 
yeah, I've got a ring, but most of the greatest, I mean, the Marino, Marino aside, most of the greatest quarterbacks ever, the guys that we think of on quarterback Mount Rushmore have two rings. Brady, well, Brady has seven, obviously. Peyton Manning. Joe Montana has four. Terry Bradshaw has four. Troy Aikman has three. John Elway has two. Patrick Mahomes has two. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be left out of that club. There's no shame in retiring with one Super Bowl. There's definitely no shame in retiring with four MVPs. But given his recent playoff history, you think it wouldn't you think it wouldn't feel a certain type of special if Aaron Rodgers got ring number two? Absent Green Bay? You ask Tom, Tom Brady. You think number seven feels special in Tampa or six in New England? I bet almost every dollar I got, he'd say seven in Tampa Bay because it's success absent the team that folks say, hey, like that the success that was it was 50 Belichick, 50 Brady, 50%. We saw it was like, okay, no, it was like best case for Belichick, 85 Brady, 15 Belichick. And folks have been debating recently, is it Green Bay? Is it is it the Jets? Anyways, take a listen to what Aaron Rodgers was talking about regarding his contract, regarding his long-term future with the Jets, and regarding whether or not he wants to play deep into his 40s. Yeah, I mean, definitely some of it is uh, how much fun I'm, in, I'm having. It's all about the body, how the body feels. The team gave up uh, significant uh, pieces for it just to be a one-year deal. Um, I'm aware of that. I think there was uh, you know, an awareness of that. Now, again, anything can happen with my body or with the success we have this year. But I'm having a blast, so I don't really see this as a one-year-and-done thing. Did you see yourself, though, even a couple years ago, playing into your 40s? Like, was that a goal of yours? Yeah, definitely. I think being a 40-year-old starter was a goal just because that's kind of – that's a big number. And to put yourself in that position means you got to really take care of yourself in the offseason and – so I've adjusted some things with that goal in mind. Obviously, Tom kind of set the standard plan of 45, I think, which is crazy. <laughs> but less crazy when you're starting to get closer to that because you still love the game and you still want to be there doing it. And if you take care of yourself the right way, you put yourself in a position to at least entertain that thought. Something I talked about this on Monday that I'm noticing more and more from Aaron Rodgers is – we know him, especially the last few years. I think the best example of that is two years ago. I'm immunized. Remember that? That's when he was vaccinated against COVID-19. He said, I'm immunized. And we all assumed, oh, he's vaccinated. And we found out later on he was not. And there was a whole drama you know, situation with that. But Aaron, throughout his time, especially the last five years in Green Bay, has always been real slick. He throws in some hidden messages. He's very cryptic in his press conferences. That is the most straightforward open and completely honest and transparent that I have ever seen Aaron Rodgers at the podium. Ever. And I talked about this on Monday. Before this deal was signed, the deal was signed, uh, or I'm sorry, the the pay cut was, the, the, the new deal was signed, I guess it was two days ago. Uh, or no, yeah, yesterday. Yesterday with uh, with the New York Jets. But I talked about a Monday show. I was, I was telling you that if you read between the lines about what he was talking about in regards to his future with the New York Jets, he talked about how this is something he wants to do uh, beyond this year. And he just sort of threw that in to the quote that he gave the media. But as I am the – you remember Keegan-Michael Key? Remember how he was Obama's anger translator? What was his name? Luther on Key and Peele. I miss Key and Peele. That was the best show ever. Uh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers was on Key and Peele, ironically, back in the day. A.A. Ron. 
Uh, although that's, that's a different skit entirely. But remember when, uh, when Keegan-Michael Key was Barack Obama, former President Obama's anger translator? I think I've become, uh, I, I think I've become Aaron Rodgers' press conference translator. I may have stumbled onto something there that, you know, Monday and last week he's talking about, hey, this is something I'd like to do long term. I'm having a lot of fun. And then a few days later, Aaron Rodgers takes pay cut, and you saw that soundbite said he wants to play into his 40s, deep into his 40s. You mentioned Tom Brady, which we heard years ago. Tom was obsessed with playing into his 40s. He, he talked about. I want to go to 40. And then once I got to 40, now I want to go to 45. You heard Russell Wilson. I want to play into my 40s. Drew Brees said he wanted to play into his 40s. And now Aaron Rodgers coming to the table like, you know what? This Jets thing's kind of fun. This New York City thing. The, the, you know, listen, Aaron is a kid from, from, from the Bay Area. He's from California. Grew up a Niners fan. But, you know, this is opposite coast. But New York provides some of those same type of experiences away from football. He seemed to embrace that. He's embraced his teammates more than I think he ever did in Green Bay, especially his young teammates. I think, again, I talked about it Monday, Alan Lazard. Remember, Alan Lazard played with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay all those years. And, you know, he's he's a New York Jet now. And he's talking about how Aaron is a lot more – he would know as well as anybody. Aaron's a lot more uh, – he's showing guys a lot more grace. You know, if they make a mistake, he's not going to cuss them out. He's not going to ghost them. He's like, remember, remember that first game? <laughs> against the Minnesota Vikings first play of the Packers season he throws that deep ball to Christian Watson it's it's going to be a wide open touchdown and it goes right through the poor poor kid's hands and he doesn't throw to him until like the third or fourth quarter that's changed he's he's not he's not that same way anymore he trusts Garrett Wilson he trusts Alan Lazard from his time in Green Bay he trusts Randall Cobb he trusts some of his other weapons I'm telling you this is a Jets team again we, we talk about all of the questions there's, there's questions just about it with just about every team in the NFL, even Kansas City. I mean, Kadarius Tony got hurt. Now they got Mahomes and Andy Reid, but it, every team to a certain degree has questions. Is it nuts to say the Jets have the least amount of all? New England. Y'all see Mac Jones at practice? Oof. He's, uh, he's, he's not looking so good. I think you could play a quarterback, and I could play a quarterback uh, better, better New England than. Michael McCorkle, Joe. Uh, New England has their questions. We heard Belichick's in the hot seat for crying out loud. Buffalo said all offseason, I, I, I do not believe in Buffalo this season. Given the way their season ended a year ago with the most <laughs> unimpressive playoff win I've ever seen in my life in that wild card game against a, a Miami Dolphins team in cold weather with a third string quarterback, a game that literally came down to the last two minutes. And then they get blown out on their home field in the snow against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming into this offseason, Leslie Frazier. Remember they lost Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator. We saw the effect that had on Josh Allen. He left to go to the New York Giants. Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, does a did a tremendous job. He just steps away. It's like, where, where, where'd he go? Why, why'd Leslie go? I don't know. He, he just retired kind of out of the blue. So now, what are they going to do a defensive coordinator? They're going to put the head coach there. And we've seen throughout most of NFL history, at least recent NFL history, uh, Andy Reid is one of the few exceptions to this rule, that when you put a head coach in charge of play-calling duties, along with the usual responsibilities associated with being a head coach, it's not been all that successful. Look at Bill O'Brien. Uh, of course, Bill O'Brien is a general manager. That's, that's, that's a bad example with the, um, with the uh, Houston Texans. But Josh McDaniels, ugh, yeah, it, hadn't, it hadn't worked so well in, in, in Vegas. 
know, it's there's it's not it's not as easy as it, as it might sound to to other head coaches. So you, know, you worry about that in re- that regard from from Sean McDermott defensively, even though he was a great defensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers before he got the Bills job. Miami, they have their concerns. Yeah, we got a stacked roster, but Jalen Ramsey just went down, and we'll see whenever he comes back. And we really like our offensive line, our running game, our receiving core is as good as there is in the league. Is Tua going to be healthy? If he's healthy, is he going to be consistently good? Doesn't have to be great. Tua doesn't have to be Justin Herbert. Newsflash for those that, for reasons unknown to me last year, thought he was better than Justin Herbert. He's not. Aside from, I guess, accuracy, which is important, I don't think he's better at anything in terms of playing the quarterback position than Justin Herbert. So put that aside. But if he is, I don't know, if he's Derek Carr, yeah, the Dolphins can, Dolphins can win a couple of playoff games. Who knows? I think it's the Jets, crazy enough, that have the least amount of concerns. Only concern I have, I guess, is head coach with Robert Sala. But the thing is, we don't really know one way or the other because his defense, again, he's a defensive guy. Defense has been great. The offense has been, has been horrendous with Zach Wilson and and uh, Strebler and Joe Flacco and Mike White, who's now two is back up in Miami. Now he gets Aaron Rodgers with the offensive rookie of the year and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. We'll see if he comes back. Dalvin Cook is a potential deal in the making. I don't know. It's looking awful good for the Jets. I'm not saying they're going to go 17 or 0 or anything, but I'll do. I'll do my. I'll do my NFL season predictions as I always do on you know opening Thursday night. But it's starting to. It's starting to look really good. I'm, I'm starting to really I slowly right around the time the final start. I talked about Aaron Rodgers and how I'm seeing this new Aaron. You know, he's, he, he just looks happier. He's smiling more. He's got, he's got a little bit of a tan. He's, he seems uh, just physically, he doesn't look as, I mean, the last few years, I don't know if it was the ayahuasca or whatever the case may be, he just didn't look right physically. He looks good now. He's enthusiastic about football. He's working with the young teammates. Like, this is a completely different Aaron Rodgers than what we're used to in years past, uh, certainly the last few years with the Green Bay Packers. Uh Let's see. Oh, by the way, speaking of the Jets, uh, there's a little, I may talk about this tomorrow, a little spicy back and forth between Sean Payton, the new head coach of the Broncos, and uh, and Robert Saul, the head coach of the Jets. So, so Sean Payton was doing an interview recently, and again, I'll talk more about this tomorrow, and he was saying that, uh, he was talking about how the Broncos coaching was just a mess. It was some of the worst coaching he's ever seen from Nathaniel Hackett. And that he's going to fix it, which I don't doubt, by the way. Sean Payton's the future Hall of Famer. Well, Matt Hackett is now the Jets' offensive coordinator, of course, given his history with Aaron Rodgers being the former OC in Green Bay. And Robert Sella hasn't taken too kind of that. Again, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. But Billy Turner, who's an offensive lineman for the Jets, he reposted that to his Instagram stories, that quote from Sean Payton. He said, quote, Seems like someone started training camp and is trying to soften the blow after realizing what he's in for this season. Effing bum. Hashtag Bountygate. Hashtag childish. Dang, he went to Bountygate. Man, this, 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 this is personal. The Jet, the, the Jet, I think the Jets and Broncos do play. Is it week five that they play each other? I got to check that. Hold on. I wasn't expected to talk about that today as it was tomorrow. Let's see. Uh, the Jets and the Broncos play in week one, two, three, four, five. And that is in Denver. That was a 4:25 Eastern kickoff. Uh, I think that's the big game on CBS. So it'll be a, it'll be a, a Jim Nance Tony Romo game. So 
That'll be, that'll be interesting. Listen, we, we, we need some bad blood in sports. This bad blood's great in sports. It's more prevalent in college than any anything, but we need that in the NFL. Even though the Jets and Broncos don't really have that much, at least that I'm aware of, of a history with one another in terms of any kind of rivalry, this, this may, may be brewing and, and, and developing. I love it. Let's talk about the best player in the history of Major League Baseball because that's what he is. We've never seen any player like Shohei Otani. I think that goes without saying. I didn't say greatest. Notice that. Greatest and best are two different things in my book. I think greatest, you involve moments. You involve influence in the game. I'm just talking about best. We're talking talent. We're talking accomplishments. And Shohei Otani is the best player that we've ever seen. He is two players, two great players, compressed into one guy. And he's going to be a free agent this winter, as we all know. Probably the most sought-after free agent maybe in the history of Major League Baseball. He's going to get, in all likelihood, the biggest contract, rightfully so, by the way, in the history of Major League Baseball. And uh, the the Los Angeles Angels seem intent on trying to find a way to just barely sneak into the American League playoffs before getting getting blitzed by the Minnesota Twins or somebody. I don't know what they're playing. Those are Houston, depending on how the bracket looks. They announced yesterday they're not going to be trading Shohei, which I talked about this this whole Shohei trade market thing. Not trade market, of course, there's a market, but this whole Shohei Otani trade uh, story right before I went on break uh, that Friday. And I said, look, if I'm the Angels, I am like, I'm like, say, hey, Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, hey, here you go. Here's Shohei. You, you, you can have him and, and rebuild the organization that way. Because God knows the prospects he'll get. You'll get some big leaguers in return, no question about it. They decide to keep him. My question for the other teams was, if you trade for Shohei, are you 100% certain, not 99, are you 100% certain he is staying for the long run? Because you can't give up basically the whole farm system for a guy that's going to be there three months, two months really. But the question was never with the Angels. The only, and even this is dicey, the only scenario I can see in which I'm like, okay, I get I get why the Angels are doing that. They're buyers at the deadline, not sellers. Is because they've gotten word from Shohei or his agent that they are staying. But A, I doubt it. B, even if they did, free agency hadn't started yet. There are going to be teams coming in with offers, enticing deals for Shohei that maybe the Angels can't provide. Again, it's all a matter of personal preference for Shohei because he's he is the – there's not that many blank check guys in sports. There's really not. Like I think in the NFL, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Aaron Donald, TJ Watt. Like that's a, I think that's about where the list ends. In Trent Williams as well. Major League Baseball, it's – I don't even think Judge is in that group because Judge doesn't give you, obviously, the impact. Of course, he's not a pitcher, but he doesn't give the impact defensively uh, as Shohei gives you on the mound. NBA, LeBron, not anymore. He's not a blank check guy. He's 38. I think Steph is, Giannis is, Jokic is. KD doesn't stay healthy enough. That's that's about it. I think it's, it's, it's Steph, Giannis, Jokic. I mean, Steph is 35 and is still in his prime. So, like, that's – those are the only guys in the NBA that I could think of. 
And Major League Baseball is probably just Shohei. So every team in Major League Baseball can give him essentially whatever he wants. There's obviously no salary cap. And the team that gets him is in all likelihood going to be one of the more valuable teams. It's going to be the Dodgers, which I, I think he's going to end up with the Dodgers. The Yankees, the Angels, the Red Sox. Uh, many of these teams have, have, have all the money in the world to give this guy. For him, it's going to be a matter of, does he like the more low-key environment, kind of like his teammate Mike Trout? Does he like the low-key environment more in uh, in L.A. with the Angels? Or does he like being on the big stage in Hollywood with the Dodgers or being in New York? Listen, it takes a different kind of dude to play in New York. I mean, that's that's a whole different animal. We see Aaron Rodgers is embracing it. Shoei's the type of dude that I think he would embrace it. Uh, we saw how he played in the World Baseball Classic in the – very few uh, opportunities we've gotten to see him on primetime on the biggest stages. He's absolutely flourished. So I think he's made for that New York spotlight. Boston as well. There's a lot of expectations comes, uh, comes from, from playing at Fenway. So you have all those things, all those components coming into, coming into the, the, the picture. But the Angels have – they are – in this case, the Angels are the Portland Trailblazers of the NBA, obviously, on steroids. Remember, I've talked about anytime I've talked about the Damian Lillard trade situation. It's like Portland is in the one one of the most uh, among rebuilding teams. Everybody wants to be Portland. They got some really good young players. They get drafted this young guard, Scoot Henderson, who's going to be really good. Probably gonna make some All Star games in the NBA. And they got the most coveted asset in all of basketball, in Damian Lillard. And who knows the return that they're going to get? It's probably going to be pretty good. He's Damian Lillard. Uh. <laughs> uh <laughs> Look at the Angels. They got Mike Trout, who's who's injured. We understand he's had some 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 health issues the last few years, but he's still Mike Trout. He's still fantastic. Still top five player in baseball. Got a solid farm system as is. And Lord only knows what you get from Shohei. Poor Shohei. Need a metabolic reset? Try Heal Right micronutrient bars. When eaten daily for eight weeks, clinical studies showed Heal Right can improve cholesterol, blood sugar, and weight management. And great-tasting Heal-Right works without additional diet or lifestyle changes or the serious side effects of medications. Visit HealRight.com with code HEAL for 15% off. H-E-A-L-R-I-G-H-T.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And you're not going to run the risk. Hey, because I saw they acquired a starting pitcher. Good one, by the way. Hey, we're going to go after a playoff spot. Which that in itself is, a, is is kind of a coin flip. Again, they're 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 in the eighth inning right now. Sorry, the ninth inning against the Tigers. They're up eight to four. They're probably going to win that baseball game. They just won the game earlier today, so they are in all likelihood when the day is over, they are going to be three games back of that wild card spot. Last wild card spot currently held by the Toronto Blue Jays. They could get it. They're they're not because the Red Sox are it. Point is, they could get it. Then what? Yes, you'll have the best player in every series that you're in, but. What about the rest of your roster? And there's a reason that the Angels are sitting just a hair above 500 right now. Without Shohei, they are the fourth best team in their division. Rangers obviously better. Astros, I think, are still like are going to win the American League in 2023. And the Mariners are better. Why not? Why not move Shohei? You will get a King's Rest ransom, and you finally get the opportunity Finally, to completely rebuild your organization, which has not been relevant for 20 years. And you squander it for, for what, a two-month 
chase for the for the sixth seed, the last wild card spot. Why? I don't get it. I really genuinely don't get it. Uh, the only scenario in which I can see this where I'm like, okay, I, I understand that perspective is if they've gotten word from Shohei and or his agent that he's going to stay. And even that is a coin flip because free agency hasn't started yet. Negotiation hasn't started yet. Maybe there could be a, a hiccup, a gaffe, some bad blood brew between the owner, between the, 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 the agent. A lot of things happen in negotiations. So we'll see, but I, I hate this move. Hate this move by the Angels. But they are the Angels, and there's a reason there's a, <laughs> there's been some, some ownership change or in, you know, some ownership issues as of late. So I guess we can't be all that shocked. By the way, while we're on the topic of Major League Baseball, and again, in 10 minutes, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce a new segment to Carving Up Live 10 minutes from now. Can we just take a moment to sit back and appreciate the fact that my Boston Red Sox, albeit in just a short two-game series at home, just uh, swept the best team in Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, we did that. One of the best, if not the best offense of baseball, we held to a single run on Tuesday night in the rain-delayed game. And then last night, going to the bottom of the six down, three-zip, can't really get much of anything going offensively. Get a homer from Raphael Devers, a homer from, I believe it was Jaron Duran. Justin Turner gets the RBI in the bottom of the seventh, I believe. And then my man Adam Duvall with the insurance run, the homer, in the eighth to win the game. Five to three. Kenley Jansen shut shut the door in in the ninth. Best team in baseball went to Fenway. We, we we took both games. I know a lot of Braves fans, so some of this is gloating and and some of this just in the larger sense is just to let you know. Boston's coming. So like Houston's going to win the American League, but uh, they don't want to play the Red Sox. Frankly, notice nor does anybody. The best team in July, four game winning streak, game and a half out of a wild card spot. Oh, we can get a starting pitcher. I know there's been a there's been conversations uh, as of late between the Red Sox and the Cardinals about acquiring the Cardinals' uh, really good shortstop. I'll take him. We'll take. Him. Not saying we're gonna win the World Series or anything, but I don't want to face the Red Sox in, in October. I can tell you that much. Yeah, well. Okay, Saquon Barkley. Let's talk about him. So that has been a big story that I went into deep detail on. Put the video on YouTube today. You could check it out on YouTube here on Carving Up or on the Grid Network. And I put some clips onto social media as well, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, the whole bit, about running backs and what their market is in 2023. And, and again, I've, I've said for a long time now, even before Monday, that I get running backs being frustrated. I really do. True, I truly get what they're coming, where they're coming from in terms of – the frustration they're feeling seeing, hey, quarterbacks getting paid and receivers are really getting paid and, and defensive linemen and offensive linemen and, and uh, corners are getting big money. Linebackers are getting big money. That kickers are getting decent contracts. Look, look what Justin Tucker's making. Why, why can't we get a, a slice of the pie? Well, because running the football has never been less important to winning in the NFL. As I gave the stat yesterday, or a few stats, four of the top ten Rushing teams in the NFL did not make the playoffs, including the team that had the worst record in the league, the Chicago Bears, who led the NFL in rushing. Yeah, running the football thing really helped them win those three games. Uh, and then 
Five of the bottom 10 rushing teams in the NFL made the playoffs. So there was some uh, – Tampa Bay was in there. Now, Tampa Bay is in a bad division, but the Vikings were in there despite having Dalvin Cook. The Bengals were in there despite Joe Mix having Joe Mixon. Uh, the Chargers, despite having Austin Eckler. I think that was more of a coaching issue than anything. And who was the last team? Uh, Miami with Tua. Tua had a very good year, and they have incredible weapons. Not to mention the fact that forget just making the playoffs, just in the in the context of trying to to win a Super Bowl. For the last four Super Bowl champions, the highest that any of them have been ranked in running the football in the league was this past year. Kansas City was twentieth. So running backs continue to beat the drum, and I hate it for I genuinely hate it for them. Hate it for them. The one position I've talked about for years. It's the only unprotected position in the NFL. We protect quarterbacks, we protect receivers, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, kickers. We don't protect running backs. You can hit them however they want, however you want, and that's in lar- large part of the reason why their their value has gone down. It's a big reason why they only usually get one contract, one major contract, and now they're struggling just to get that. Josh, J- Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley and Tony Pollard. And I, I, I get their frustration. I really do. But I also don't blame these organizations for not paying them. Saquon Barkley agreed to a one-year, $11 million contract to uh, basically avoid the franchise tax. So he ends his holdout. He's going to be with the New York Giants in the long run. First of all, it's good for the Giants because now, you know, again, if they weren't going to have Saquon this year, yeah, forget the Giants in the playoffs, even in the week NFC. Even despite adding Darren Waller, in large part because he can't stay healthy, and my man out of Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt, is going to do some solid things for him this year. They have to play, play a much tougher schedule. There's two teams in their division clearly better than them, Philadelphia and Dallas. I think, I think Chicago, I'm, I'm – I'm, I'm iffy on Justin Fields, but I, I'm thinking Chicago is going to sneak in. Seattle got better in on defense and, and on offense in the draft. Uh, this is going to be going to be. It was tough sledding for the Giants to get in last year. This year it's going to be even tougher. So they had to have Saquon. I'm going to give Saquon a lot of credit here because he could have made the stand and say, you know what? Until I get the big contract which would, he wouldn't be eligible for until next offseason. I'm not going to play at all. That would have been the absolute worst, worst move for him. This is the absolute best. You're not playing the franchise tag, and you're playing on the, excuse me, the one-year deal. I think the $11 million, I'm 99% sure, is completely guaranteed. I'm pretty sure it is. Excuse me. Remember what happened with Le'Veon Bell in 2017? 2018, rather. He got franchise tagged in 17, I think it was. Uh, played that season, played great, had another all-pro season. 2018 gets franchise tagged again, so you know what, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coming to camp. Not only am I not coming to camp, I'm not playing all season long. If you're going to franchise tag me, he ends up getting a contract far less in value with the New York Jets than what he would have gotten in Pittsburgh, and he was never the same player. Like taking a year off is, is especially for a running back, is devastating to guys' careers. So I give Saquon Barkley a lot of credit. Josh Jacobs is still holding out. Does he agree to a deal deal similar to what Saquon Barkley has gotten? Tony Pollard is in camp with Dallas. Uh, That's that's a different situation. Again, Tony Pollard is a a very good good running back. He's not on the level of Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing and Saquon, who basically was the Giants' offense last year. So he's not quite in that level yet. But I give Saquon a lot of credit in that he didn't – stand on his morals he didn't uh 
listen, there, there's there's a certain there's certain situations where you should hold out. I think Lamar Jackson is, is, is chief among them. It's like, guys, quarterback is the most important position. I've improved drastically as a passer. You literally can't win or even function offensively without me. Why the heck won't you pay me? And finally, they they caved and they paid him. Like it's like it's, it's about time they should. It's he's freaking Lamar Jackson. What are we talking about? But running backs is different. So Saquon Barkley's in for at least this year with the New York Giants. We'll see what happens next offseason. My guess, and it sucks for Saquon. It's probably another franchise tag for him. We'll see. But uh, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying uh if, if I'm buying like this is the turning point for running backs. My man John Rivera is in the comments from the Fame Perspective podcast. What's up, John? John, he says Barkley had to do what's best for him. He, he had to. Like there's and, – and there's – I've seen folks on social media saying, you know, hey, he didn't take one for the team of running backs. Listen, I can look out for my team. I can look out for guys in my position. I got to look out for myself first. And I'm not going to cost myself A, money, and B, potentially my career. Because that's what happened with Le'Veon Bell. He had a pretty solid offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers – didn't take it, didn't play the 2018 season, got a deal for the Jets that was way less in value than would have got would have gotten in Pittsburgh. And Le'Veon Bell's out of the league now. In 2019, he wasn't even close to the same player. I know he had a, a, a cup of coffee in Kansas City, and that was pretty much it. I, I know he's he's talked about, I think, being in celebrity boxing turn uh, boxing matches. Like that's that's pretty much where we're at. By the way, real quick, a little update. Uh Okay, yeah, LeBron, LeBron is back in the gym working out. So, obviously, that's good news because, again, we, we got the news today that, that Bronny had, was discharged, which is awesome. Very, very scary situation on on Tuesday. But Bron's back in Bron's back in the lab. He's back working out. So, uh, that, that that's good news. Obviously, he feels that it is okay for him to go back considering, you know, what all happened with his son. So, yeah. Uh, Given what happened on on Monday with with Bronny, seemed like it's kind of the the best case scenario to this point. He's discharged. He's improving physically. We hope he continues to do that. He's able to get back to to full health. Absolutely wishing the very best for him. And John Rivera as well. Prayers uh, prayers up for Burrow. We got we got the best case scenario with Joe Burrow. That is a calf strain. Uh, Zach Taylor. I think it was Zach Taylor. No, it was Diana Rossini who announced to, uh, about thirty minutes ago. I think yeah, about a half hour ago. That uh, that he he's it, it's just a cap string. And by the way, Adam Schefter just uh, tweeted this. He said Joe Burrow carted off today with a strained calf. Jalen Ramsey carted off today with a knee injury that will require surgery and sideline him for the start of the season. And Schefter said he got a text today from a head coach saying, "quote I hate the first two weeks of training camp. They need to restructure the off season." Uh, yeah, and that, that's that's a bigger conversation for a different day. Okay, real quick, another update about Jalen Ramsey. He just tweeted this. That end-of-season push going to be legendary. So that kind of seems to imply that he's going to be gone quite a while. He's going to be gone a few months. Okay, so this isn't just a thing where he's going to miss, like, the first month of the season. Like, he's probably not back till till December. So that's that's definitely a big loss for Miami. Again, I, I've been I don't be too brutal on Ramsey because I hate that he got injured. I hate when anybody gets injured. But I've I've been in the mindset that over the last year and a half or so, Jalen Ramsey hasn't been even close to the same quarter that he was at his peak in Jacksonville. But still, he's still a very good corner in the, in 
and Miami's definitely going to miss him. No question about it. Like that was that was really their big offseason acquisition. Not to mention they added. Uh, I'm forgetting the coach's name now. Uh, used to coach the Broncos. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The defense coordinator for the Jets. I'm sorry for the for the for the Dolphins. I'm blanking on his name. John, John, somebody help me out in the comments. Well, John just says I hate training camp. Yeah, it's 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 rough. Well, it seems like, and it does seem like when the, the training camp injuries that do happen seem to happen at the very start of this. So that that just sucks. But I'm trying so hard to remember the guy's name for the. He used to coach the Broncos, and now he's a defensive coordinator now for the Dolphins. I don't know. I'm blanking. Anyways, before we get out of here, new segment for Carving Up Live. Let's see. I see a comment. Patrick, thank you. Vic Fangio. I, I knew it started with a V, but I, I I can't want to say Vance Joseph, who's another defensive coach who also coached the Broncos. I can't want to say Vance Joseph, but I knew it wasn't him. Vic Fangio. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, but that's, yeah, he's a tremendous DC, but they're, they're going to miss Jalen Ramsey. Okay, though. New segment for Carving Up Live that we're debuting today. So I have been part of what I love doing with the show. There's a lot of things I love doing with the show. It's interacting like we just did there with the with the comments. It's bringing a new perspective that maybe you've never thought about before regarding some of the biggest stories in the world of sports. But one of my favorite things, and it's, it's a word that I use a lot in the show, is context and off of that, and again, I, I like to to bring context to to stories which sometimes lack them. New announcement. Every Thursday, or at least every middle of the week show, we are going to be doing a segment on Carving Up Live called Carving Up the Context. So let's go ahead and play the, the, the music right now and go and get started in the segment because I got a lot to say. I got, I got some, some context to carve out right now. So I saw a post on Instagram from, I think it was Hoops Nation that, that, that posted this. It really angered me. I didn't like it. And it was talking about how, hey, we say Anthony Davis is made of glass and he can't stay healthy. And they we're pushing this false narrative about Anthony Davis. And how we don't give the same energy to other stars that we give to one AD, who I have religiously on the show called uh, Coin Flip Davis, because uh, that's what he is. He's, he's great one game, terrible the next. It's it's heads or tails, 50-50. But here's the here's the little the little numbers they gave. Hoops Nation talking about since 2016. Here's the graphic read off of the podcast audience. Kevin Durant has played 345 games. My man Steph Curry has played 387 games. Anthony Davis has played 400. So just off of that, you would just, and by the way, their minutes per game are almost identical. It's like a just literally one minute difference. So just by that, you're like, oh, Anthony Davis is more physically reliable than Steph and, and, and KD. There's one slight, well, just a couple slight little problems, but we're going to carve up some context out of here. Kevin Durant missed an entire season. Missed an entire season because of an injury that happened at the end of the 2019 finals. Ruptured his Achilles, missed the entire 2019-20 season. So that's 70 plus games right there. Steph Curry missed essentially the entire season that year, all but five games. 
because he broke his hand in the fourth game of the season, came back for one game in March, then COVID hit, and that was Steph Curry's season, and the Warriors obviously were horrible, weren't good enough to make the bubble. So that's, and this is five of 70 plus. You know, again, put the number back up. That uh, simple math probably would have been a little bit more than Anthony Davis. Meanwhile, AD is, is you know, <laughs> they, they, call, they call Anthony Davis uh, half man, half a season. Uh, which is, you know, it's a, it's a little harsh, but it's also got quite a bit of, uh, of truth in it. Since uh, 2016, let's look at Anthony Davis's uh, games played per season. So 2016, 2016-2017, Anthony Davis plays 75 games. 2017-2018 plays 75 games. 2018-2019 plays 56. Now, in fairness to AD, a lot of that was because he, he missed a lot of games because he wanted to trade out of New Orleans to the Lakers, which he ultimately got in the 2019-20 season, in which he played 62 of 72. That's, that's, that's finally missed 10 games. And then the injuries started to come. He played 36 of 72 games in the 2020-21 through 21 season. He played 40 games in an 82-game schedule in the 2021-22 through 22 season. And he played 56 games last year. So that was a bit of math in my head. That's a little less than Katie and Steph. No, I know for Steph, I'm almost certain with KD. So, context, and when you throw these type of numbers out, would be appreciated next time, Hoops Nation. By the way, who does a great job on Instagram. Hoops Nation put out some great, great content on Instagram and on social media, great basketball content. But when you're going to put that stuff out there and say, hey, the media and, and these fans out there, these social media trolls are just, they don't give these, these Steph and KD. By the way, last thing. And this is somewhat important. Katie and Steph are five years older than AD. I would think they'd have injuries. I would think that Steph being 6'3 would suffer, is it would go through injuries? And he does it to the level that Anthony Davis does at 6'11. Basically seven feet tall. And KD is, 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 is as slim as any player, certainly any superstar, that we've seen in the history of the game. Yeah, he's, 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 he's going to have injuries. Newsflash. So, throw this out there, guys. Maybe, just maybe, had Steph and KD not missed the entire 2019-20 season, it's entirely possible they would have played more games than, than Coin Flip Davis. And that's who he is. He's great one game. He's horrendous the next. Carving up the context. First edition. We're going to be doing it every week from now on. I just saw that and I was like, ooh, it, it bothered me. It bothered me. I have a feeling, by the way, before we get out of here, that I'm going to be doing a lot of carving up. Listen, I'm a Steelers fan. Now it's on a Monday. Steelers through and through. At least newly. I'm still going to be supporting Dak Prescott, though. I have a feeling I'm going to be doing some Dak Prescott segments. I, I've, I, I might have as well have done carving up the context segments with Dak and people to talk about all the interception numbers. It's like, yeah, it's because half of those went through receivers' hands. You know, he's got bad luck on some of those picks. So I have a feeling those are coming down the pipeline. Uh, real quick, last thing, last update on Bronny James before we get out of here. This is from Shams. He says, exact timing when Bronny James was discharged from – uh, Cedar Sinai Medical Center late Tuesday night was late Tuesday night per family spokesperson. So less than 48 hours spent in the hospital. Remarkable. Yeah, cardiac arrest spending less than 48 hours. But, you know, listen, Bronny is Bronny's young, Bronny's healthy. So, you know, you certainly think that would 
play a factor uh, quite a bit. So, yeah, that's that's like I said, given what happened to Bronny on Monday morning, uh, this is the absolute best case news that we could have hoped for. So glad that he's home. Hope he continues to recover, continue to pray for him, his family. And uh, I wish him the very best. Hope he can get back to to full strength uh, sooner rather than later. But carving up the context. I hope you all enjoyed it. I'll put it on social media. We'll do this every week. All right, that's all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate you for stopping by. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And please take two seconds out of your day. Hit that, oh, wait, no, right over there. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to like, share, comment as well. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network here on YouTube as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, where you can find the Grid Network. We have some incredible content creators, so please check us all out. And, of course, you can check Carving It Up out there as well. And please subscribe to the Carving It Up YouTube channel and follow me on my social media platforms down below. Have a great evening, everybody. I'll see you all tomorrow. Listen, there's been so much happening in the world of sports. I, I could have done a two-and-a-half-hour show today, but I'm like, why would I do that when I have a show tomorrow? So I'm going to do a show tomorrow, a lot of topics to talk about in training camp, in other sports. So looking forward to that. But have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, I beg of you, contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun, gun violence here in America. We have got to stop this problem. Have a great evening, y'all. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. He's out. Carving up the context. It just, it just sounds right. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.